We're on Chagiga Yeches Amin Beis 18b5. The Gemara's discussion now is a very interesting discussion about whether or not one needs kavana, one needs to have intention when they go into the mikvah that they're doing it for the purpose of becoming pure, becoming tahor. And the Gemara is going to discuss a contradiction as to whether you're, you have to have intention or whether you do not have to have intention. So let's see this in the Gemara. The Gemara says, Tanur Rabbanan, Hanotol Yadav, one who washes his hands. Niskavan, if he has intention that he's washing his hands for the sake of this purity, so then Yadav Tahoros, then his hands are pure. Lo Niskavan, Yadav So if he doesn't have intention, even though he washes his hands, his hands are still Tameh, his hands are still impure. Nechen Amat, Yadav, the same thing goes with regards to putting your hands into the mikvah, niskav yadav tahoros. If you have the intention to become pure, then it works. Lo niskav yadav tmeos. If you don't have intention, then it doesn't work. You do not become pure. The Gemara asks, but it's a contradiction to the following brisa of Atanya, but it's taught in a brisa from the time period of the Mishnah. Bein niskav and bein lo niskav yadav tahoros. Whether or not you have intention or not, your hands become pure, even if you don't have intention that you're doing it for the purpose of of uh, tvila. So then, for the purpose of becoming pure, so then, it works. So it seems to be a contradiction. So Amr Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman says, Lo kasha, it's not a contradiction. Kan l'chulen, now turning the page to the Testament Aleph, Kan l'chulen, Kan l'maiser. It depends if the reason why you're going to the mikvah is in order to eat maiser sheni, the food which is viewed as a holier food because you're bringing it to Yerushalayim, the crop that you bring to Yerushalayim. For those cases, you need intention. That requires intention. Uh, but for cases where it's for chulin, where it's just for regular food, meaning bread, when we wash on bread, so whether or not one has intention when one washes on bread, so then it is going to work when one goes to eat bread. And that is what the Gemara says, that when one is doing it for the purpose of chulin, for just regular food, and for bread, the simple explanation is that it's when one is going to eat bread, that one washes if one accidentally just washes without intention of doing it for the sake of their hands becoming pure in order to eat bread, so then it still does work. Now this idea has some very practical uh, ramifications with regards to other laws even outside of bread. Uh, one example is with regards to tvilas kelim, that there's a, a law that one has to put their utensils, specific utensils, not all utensils, but their utensils into a mikvah, if it is bought from a non-Jew. If it's bought from a non-Jew, so then one has to, first, before they use it, put it into a mikvah, uh, specific utensils. If it's utensils that are used for food, and uh, if, it's, um, if it's metal, so then you have to put it into a mikvah. Now, there's a discussion. Instead of you doing it, are you allowed to have a non-Jew do it? So let's say you're watching the non-Jew do it. So then could the non-Jew put it in, into the mikvah for you? You're just watching over him. So the, the non-Jew doesn't have any intention to, to make it pure or not. So, so the Rashba, uh, one of the uh, commentators, classic commentators, says that uh, it would work from this Gemara, the fact that you don't need intention for chulin, for washing your hands for bread. So you also don't need to have intention to make it pure when it comes to putting a, a utensil, which is used for food, into the mikvah, even if the non-Jew does it, as long as there's a Jew watching, the non-Jew do it. So then if the non-Jew does it, so then... Uh, it would work, and that's the opinion of the Rashba. Um, so that's one practical ramification. Another one also applies with regards to Nida, that if a, uh, if a woman 
the law is is that a woman who is a nida, who is during her menstrual cycle, um, and during her, her during her period, so then she's not allowed to have marital relations with her husband until she goes to the mikvah. And so there's a discussion, well, what if she accidentally, let's say she goes uh, swimming. What if she went swimming and the, the water was sufficient to act as a mikvah? Uh, whatever the case is that she, she went swimming and it would be able to act as a mikvah. Um, so would that work or not? So that would work. if Even if though she was going for, for the sake of going swimming, we assume, let's say, it was not very tight clothing, but it was loose clothing so that the water goes all around. So then that would work, even though that wasn't her intention. And that's also what Rav Moshe Feinstein says, that that would work, even though that, that isn't her intention, and it would make it that she's permissible to her husband. So those are some some ramifications from this law alone. But the Gemara asks, The Gemara wants to know, from where do we know really that that Hulan does not require intention, that if you do it uh, for the sake of, uh, not for the sake of uh, holy crop of Meister Shani, which goes to Yerushalayim, or for Kachim, for the sacrifices, but just for regular food, how do we know that it doesn't require intention? So the Gemara is going to present two options. It's going to reject the first one, and then it's going to maintain the second one. So let's go through these two options. It says in a Mishnah, there's a Mishnah elsewhere, which says as follows. Just before we read the Mishnah, a little bit of background. How does one become pure? Let's say if a person is impure, how does one become pure so that they could then go into the base of Migdash, that they could touch uh, holy objects like truma and kudshim, food designated for the Kohen and sacrifices? How does one become taller? There's two options how a person can become pure again. One option is what we call the classic mikvah. The classic mikvah is uh, a body of water which is from rainwater. It's just regular rainwater which was gathered together, and there are two conditions that are necessary in order to go to this mikvah. Uh, that mikvah has to be a minimum of 40 sa'a, which is 200 gallons, approximately 200 gallons of water, and also it has to be stationary. It can't be a flowing mikvah. It has to be stationary, like in the mikvahs that we have. That is your first option to go into mikvah. The second one is what we call a ma'ayan. A ma'ayan is a natural spring, or it's a stream from a spring. And for that, it could be flowing. It's fine if it's flowing. It's a spring which is flowing. And that does not need 40 saw. It doesn't need 200 gallons um, of, of water. So again, you have the mikvah, which requires 200 gallons of water and has to be stationary. And then the mayan is a natural spring, which, do, which could be flowing. It usually is flowing. And it does not have to be 200 gallons of water. It doesn't have to be 40 saw. Now, there, there is a discussion when it comes to uh, the sea, the ocean, whether that is viewed as ma'ayan, as, as a flowing water, or whether that is viewed as a mikvah. Our mission that we're about to get into is, is assuming that it is a ma'ayan, that we view it as, as a natural spring when it comes to the sea. So the mission says as follows. Could you become pure by the following case? Gal shenislash u'bo If you have a wave... You have a wave coming from the sea, and it separates from the sea. It separates from the sea, but you have this massive wave which separates from the sea, and it contains 40 saw. Now, a sea, as we pointed out, is a mayan, according to this opinion. Uh, it's a d- discussion, but according to this opinion, it's a mayan. A mayan does not require 40 saw. If it's a spring, it doesn't require, it require 200 gallons of water. But yet it says, in this case, that it has 200 gallons of water. So that is a, a big discussion why it mentions 200 gallons of water in this case, if it's referring to a mayan. 
Uh, this is a, a lot, a lot is discussed with regards to this. Uh, but let's just say the reason why you have 200 gallons is because that's what's necessary in order to cover your average person. If you want this this wave to uh, to make this person pure, it has to cover the entire person. So let's say 200 gallons of water is what does it. So that's why it says 200 gallons of water, not because it's necessary, because it's a mayan, it's a natural flow, which doesn't require uh, 40 saw, 200 gallons of water, but it's necessary because it has to cover the person. So it's covering the person. And it falls on the person, and or it falls on utensils, to make the utensils, as we mentioned before. There's a concept of tefillah galem to make the ten- utensils uh, pure. So we say tahorim, if they become pure, that's the case. You have this wave which goes on them and it becomes pure. So the Gemara says, Ketani Adam and the Mishnah equates a person with utensils. It seems to imply that just like utensils, they don't have any knowledge. Utensils don't think, so they don't know whether or not they're they're becoming pure or not. So to a person, a person is just by the ocean, they're by the beach, and you have this massive wave coming, and this person was impure, and then the wave goes over their entire body. They have to be uh, naked, or at least wearing lo- very loose clothing, so that the water goes over the entire body, um, and it makes them pure and without any intention. So that's what the Gemara suggests. Again, the Gemara is going to reject this, but that's what the Gemara suggests. So the Gemara says, no, who said? Umimai, who said that that's true? Maybe the case is Dilma Biyoshiva Matapa Agalaskin. The case is where the person is waiting for the wave. They want the wave, and this is how they know. This is their intention. This is how they're going to become pure. So you cannot prove from here that a person does not have to have intention when they're becoming pure. Maybe this person is sitting by the ocean, sitting by the beach waiting for this wave to come, and in the case of the utensils, is really comparable to this person who is waiting for the wave. Just like the person is capable of intent. So to the case of the utensils, is where the person who, who brought the utensils there has intention to make his utensils pure. So the Gemara says, If that's the case, so then, my lamemra. So then, what's the point of the Mishnah? I understand that the point of the Mishnah is to tell us that you don't need to have intention. Then that's the purpose of the Mishnah. But if the case is where they're having intention, so then this is a classic case of becoming pure. So what, why would you think that this doesn't work? So the Gemara says, no, you would have thought that it doesn't work for the following reason. I would have thought as follows: Ligzor Dilma Asi Lemitbal Bechardalius Shel Gishamim. I would have thought that. We should say that a wave doesn't work as a precaution for the following case. That if there's rainwater, it's not natural natural water, which is fine, but if it's rainwater which is coming off a steep cliff and a person's on the bottom of the cliff and the water's coming, a person would think that if a wave would work, then that would also work, but it's not true. That would not work. That If it, if it came off a cliff, it would not work because, first of all, it's not all together. It's not all attached together. You wouldn't have 40 saw. It wouldn't be viewed as 200 gallons. Again, we're discussing rainwater coming off the cliff. It wouldn't be viewed as 200 gallons because it's all individual water that's just flowing off the cliff as opposed to a wave which is which was originally attached to the ocean. So uh, it's viewed as a mayan. It's viewed as a spring which doesn't require 40 saw. Um, and... So the cliff wouldn't work. Alternatively, the cliff wouldn't work if we're discussing rainwater. The rainwater has to be stationary. And the rainwater there is moving. So that certainly wouldn't work. So either way you go, the rainwater off the cliff is very different than the case of the wave. And so we would have thought that maybe we would say the wave doesn't work, even though technically by the letter of the law, the wave does work. But we would have said that maybe it's not allowed. 
because the wave, if the wave would work, a person might think that if there's water that's flowing off a cliff, rainwater, that would also work, and that doesn't work. So you might have thought to say that we won't allow you in the wave as a precautionary measure. Measure Inami, alternatively, we would have made the following gzera, uh, the following decree, Nigzerashen Atukipen, that we would have said that the head, um, we would have said as follows, that we would say that just waiting for the water to come on you would be a problem, lest one takes utensils or they, they take utensils and they throw it into the wave as the wave is in the air. The wave only works when it's on the ground. Once it comes onto the ground, it splashes on you, so then that's when the mikvah works. But we say that there's no concept of a mikvah in the air. A mikvah doesn't work in the air. So we're concerned that a person will take his utensil, utensil and throw it into the wave to make it pure. And that doesn't work. So if that doesn't work, we're, we're concerned that maybe even the case, even your, your case of the wave just going on the person without the person jumping into it, that should also not work because we're concerned people would confuse between these cases. So the point is that we would have thought that a person would confuse between various cases to say, really, technically, a wave does work, but we're concerned that a person will think that rainwater coming from a cliff would also work, which it doesn't. Or we're concerned that a person will throw their utensils into the wave before it comes back onto the ground, and that also doesn't work. The point of the mission is to tell us that, no, we're not concerned for these issues, that a wave really does work. The purpose of the mission is to tell us that a wave does work, and we're not concerned that people will confuse it with Rainwater off a cliff, or we're throwing the utensil in. We're not concerned for that. Rainwater, uh, we're not concerned for those cases. Uh, the wave will work. But the point here is that, is that, um, the ultimate point here is to say that, but the case is where the person is intentionally waiting for the wave to come. So this is not a proof that it doesn't have to have the, the right intention. That, that it's not a proof that you don't need to have any intention whatsoever. But the Gemara just clarifies the last point before we move on. To the second proof, the, the Gemara gets into a very small tangent here. How do we know that it doesn't work to just uh, throw the utensils into the into the air of the, while the wave is in the air? The Tanya, as it's taught in a Brisa, it only works when the wave comes down on you, not when it's uh, we don't immerse them when it's uh, in the arches of those waves, when it's in the air, because a mikvah doesn't work when it's in the air. Okay, that's what the Brisa says. But the Gemara now wants to know. Back to our original question. Again, the question was, how do we know that it works to be tovel, to to become pure, uh, without intention of becoming pure, when it comes to chulim, when it comes to regular food, when it comes to bread? And first they want to suggest that it's the case of the wave. The Gemara says, no, the case of the wave is where a person has in mind to become pure from the wave, and we really need it for other reasons. So what's the source? So the Gemara says, El it's from the following. We learned in the Mishnah. Peros shenaflu l'soch amas hamayim, turning now to 1982. The case is as follows. We have a mission which says as follows. New case. Fruit fall into, uh, there's produce which fell into Amasamaim, a spring of water. Upasha Mishiyadav Tameos Unitalan. And somebody whose hands were tame goes into the water and takes them. Yadav Tahoros. Again, their intention is to take the fruit out of the water. So their hands are viewed as pure. Even though their intention wasn't to make their hands pure, the purpose was to take the fruit out. The fruit accidentally went into the water. They quickly grab and take the fruit out. Their hands are still tahor. Their hands are still pure. There's a separate halacha. There's a separate law that in order for fruit to to have the potential to become impure, there's a separate law. In order for fruit to have the potential to become impure, they first have to come into contact with water 
after it's detached from the ground. So after it's detached from the ground, it has to come in contact with liquid, but only liquid which is desirable. So the point here is just to say that the, per- the fact that the person ran to take his- go into the water to grab the fruit out shows that the liquid was not desirable. So the, the fruit now do not have the potential to become uh, impure. It's only when the fruit touches water that you want that water to touch the fruit. Does it have then have the potential to become impure? It just says, the, it's a side point that says that the fruit, that they don't have the potential to become impure because you didn't have intention, you didn't want the water to go on the fruit. The, the, the Mishnah continues and it says, If the reason why uh, you put your hands in was was to just, uh, you, you, you reach your hand into the water um, for the purpose of just cleaning your hands, so your hands are also tahor. And now the fruit, since you didn't do put your hands in to remove the fruit, but you put the fruit, you put your hands in just to clean yourself off. So it shows that you really wanted the fruit, the water to touch the fruit. So now the fruit touched water that was desirable, and now the fruit had the potential to become impure. And that's a separate law. But the main point of this whole Mishnah, the reason why we discuss this whole Mishnah to begin with, is just to explain to us that if you put your hands into the water to save the fruit, if your hands are impure, your hands become pure, even though. You had no intention for your hand to wash your hands, for your hands to go into the water. Your hands still become pure. This is the proof that uh, you don't have. We do not require any intention when it comes to making your hands pure for uh, regular food. Again, this is all with regards to regular food for bread. When you wash your hands for bread or the like, as it's, it, as we pointed out in the beginning, this is extended to the laws of of tefillas kalim, of putting utensils into the mikvah, and with regards to a woman who's in nida. It applies to all those cases as well. You do not require intention.